Hello there. We'd like to welcome you to the virtual kitchen table. We're Erin from Ever Learning, Ashley from Ashley as Mama and Storytime Shelves, and myself, Hayley, from Taking a Kinder Path. We're gathering for conversations about family life and home education, particularly unschooling, which is sometimes known as self-directed learning, or as I like to call it, natural learning. We'll be sharing our experiences and ideas, learning as we go. We hope you'll pull a chair up to the table and join us. I think as humans, we have a need for a purpose, don't we? We need to be needed. That's something that can really, you know, really help us. If we feel like, if we feel like nobody needs us and we've got no purpose in life, then you know that is not a good place to be is it and I think when when often when um I mean we had a really idyllic home ed day yesterday and they are not all like this at all but we had a park meet yesterday afternoon where we had well it was at least 10 kids and they ranged from four I think she was 14 the eldest down to a little one waddling around in a nappy and they were you know the ages were spread out um in that range and they they were playing it was beautiful weather here they all played together for hours and they were playing all kinds of team games like capture the flag and I don't know, cops and robbers and all sorts of things. And then there was also a lot of time where they were just hanging out on the playground equipment and the bigger ones were helping the little, you know, the little ones were trying to do what the bigger ones were doing. And there was a lot of, you know, even quite small kids helping the smaller kids. And, and that, that is, I think that's really lovely for building your character, isn't it? To, to see, to feel like like you have been able to help somebody else is a really powerful feeling, isn't it? And it, you know, and it, it you know, those those meets are not like like you know we've alluded to already. Those meets are not don't always happen like that, but sometimes they do, and it's just you know, and it is really lovely when that happens, and it just shows you that um, yeah, kids don't have to get on with kids that are the the same age, and there is so much they get from being with other people of different ages definitely well and I think too Haley when I picture that like it kind of gives some of the older kids permission to play and I'm not I don't know those particular kids I'm not saying they feel they need permission to play but you know Kiki was talking about her kids going off with some older kids when you were away as well and I think that yeah there it's it's beneficial to everybody so we think Oh, it's so nice for the younger kids to have some mentoring and some modeling. But I also think it, you know, we have this idea that play ends at a certain point. And I think when kids try to play beyond that, um, like either it's seen as babyish or, or whatever, or I think sometimes, you know, for, for teens, a lot of what we look out and see as silliness or acting out, I think it's that playfulness, still still needing to play and be, but it's not really socially acceptable. So to be able to kind of have an excuse, so to speak, or just kind of naturally be in those environments where you can, yeah, you can be playful and you can be, I feel like you can be yourself when you're not being judged up against everybody else of your you know cohort <laughs> your exact age yeah so it just feels nice yeah it is interesting because that particular meet that we that's been going on for years but my 24 year old and 22 year old if they've got 
a day where they're free, they sometimes come along to that meet and they get totally stuck in <laughs> and and they they really play with the kids. And I know the, the you know, the other kids love that if if, you know, my daughter's big siblings come along because that's really cool to see these grown-ups really playing and 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 I was I was lying on a picnic blanket yesterday I told you it was idyllic um for some of the the meat and I and I was listening to some of the other mums talking and and um and they they were saying you know classic things oh it's so lovely to just see them play isn't it and one of them said I was thinking when you said Kiki about time one of them said oh I think there's something magic about two hours because a few of the families had thought about leaving and they were kind of like, oh, I need to do this and I need to do that. And they kind of called their kids and their kids were like, oh, can we stay a bit longer? And they decided to stay. And, and we ended up being there for quite a long time. And and um, yeah, yeah, they were th- these people that were talking were reflecting on how isn't it nice that you can just let them play for that long length of time? Because, yeah, sometimes I think you said it, Ashley, didn't you, about having 40 minutes or something. A lot of there's so much homework for kids in school and lots of organized clubs and it, and you know it is hard for families to find that time to and I and I feel very lucky that we get that time to just play for a long time and you know there are plenty of occasions where you know people don't want to stay that long and my daughter's you know desperate to leave but on on this particular occasion it was just it worked really well and it was just lovely that they could just have that long time to be together and you know, and they and there were little, you know, little upsets and things that they that they worked out. And, you know, there were, you know, people did come over to us that were really hungry and 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 a bit tired and things like that happened. But it was, you know, that they, they they were just little bumps that that were got over. And um, overall, now, it was just... it's, it's unstructured time as well, isn't mm. it? That's so, so brilliant. And I think my um, eldest and I were having a conversation on holiday, actually, about um he, he we, I would just I like to kind of check in with them and say you know what what how how's the week going is there anything you'd like to do more of anything you'd like to do less of see more people see less people certain people whatever and we then got onto the conversation about at school because he's got a few friends who he met at school who he still sees and has play dates with and he was saying about you know they get to see each other every day at school and then we were kind I said to him okay well let's work out how much time they actually get to play together so in a day you know they might spend six and a half hours every day in the same room or environment but the reality of it is in terms of playing they'll be lucky to get an hour a day easily lucky you know if you talk about the lunch break they're going to the lunch hall they're having their lunch and then it's what what how much of that is unstructured because now there's still like you know I think at the school they my eldest went to they're not allowed to run anymore in the playground I, I mean there's all sorts of things now and I think they even bring out certain equipment on certain days to try and steer them into that kind of play on those days and and I said to him so in on a Friday with the things we do with different people you're getting more playtime just in that one day than your friends are in a whole week at school and I think that is the um and the only reason I'm comparing it is because obviously that's where um people say about socialization with children without kid, you know unschooled kids or home educated kids and enough time with friends 
and actually if you add up how much time we see other people and it doesn't and it doesn't have to be friends of their age like I say it might be we went to visit my great my well their great nanny my nanny today in a nursing home up the road um their grandparents their cousins you know all all, and as well as their friends whether it's their like family friends or their home ed friends and the amount of unstructured play they get in a week and contact time with all these different people and time to have conversations without you know without an adult leading any of it or any of it being steered um, is just phenomenal and that's why I would always say to anyone is that when it's that their concern is that with home education I just think no that is it is you just your kids are spoiled for choice in terms of socialization and yes the friendship is you know friendships like we said it's kind of we're all different aren't we in terms of hey my eldest likes one-on-one time more whereas my younger likes being part of because he loves football so he wants to be part of the group and different ages because that's the great thing with football it can be 14 year olds playing with four-year-olds um so I think it is but it's just being able to have that time which is just such like like you said Hayley we're so lucky and fortunate and I know it is a privilege to have that um but it is just like incredible how much time they get I'm curious about that unstructured time too. Like Haley, you had mentioned the two hour mark. I don't know whether you meant people were leaving, like whether you were getting together for two hours or because the other thing that I thought of is I've noticed when we've had days kind of like, I think you're describing where things are, are flowing and to Kiki's point about kind of this unstructured um, opportunity. Sometimes when we've had like a long stretch to stay, I noticed that play evolves so you'll kind of have this period of time that it seems like things are kind of winding down and maybe people are kind of tired but there's almost like a second wind that can happen and I think when kids have a long stretch to play either with a sibling or with a group of kids it's almost like a it's like when they kind of come up for air there's like a deeper level of play that they get into and I I don't know I'd be interested to see like what the psychology is around that but I've really noticed that when you have a span it's just like they come up with a game they maybe get a little out of sorts for a little bit but then they when they come back to it it's just it's a deeper level it's more detailed um and sometimes they can just keep going you, you know it's it's almost like that first little bit maybe not the first little bit but there's a period where sometimes I found kids needed a little bit of support and facilitation but then then they could really get into this deep level of flow with, with one another. Um, yeah. I don't know if anybody else has noticed that with that kind of having that opportunity for unstructured play. And I think, you know, as Ashley and Kiki, you were both talking, I think about these more limited times at school, nobody would really see that happening. So that's that idea of like, what does play really look like and what does flow really look like if it's, if it's only in these pockets of time that are kind of predetermined. Yeah, I think that I think what she was what what the mum who said that was thinking about was that there had been a bit of a warm up period that I think there wasn't there wasn't everybody playing at the beginning. There were kind of ones and twos who were like, oh, I'm not sure if I want to play this game. And I'm not, you know, that, that weren't so comfortable. And I think when they got to the two hour mark, it was kind of literally everybody was in the game. And they were, and it was almost as if they'd, yeah, they'd had a kind of warming up and um, like you say, really. And I think it was just, yeah, I think she was thinking it, it's really 
there was something magical that happened then um, because they don't, I guess, because even, you know, even our kids, I guess, don't often get that chance because there'll be people that need to leave for other, you know, for other reasons. But, but yeah, I think that's what they were thinking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to just say quickly, too, it makes a lot of sense to me. I definitely see it. Um, but it makes sense because like all the kids have, they're all coming with their own personalities and, and their own experiences um, from different playtimes and memories um, and comfort levels change at different times. And it takes a while to get into that flow. And it's interesting because we've talked about that, that flow in anything, right? So I'm just thinking about how when I'm in the schools and I see the kids rush out, not all of them, there's, but many of them, um, and I want to even say, and I don't usually make comments like this, but especially the boys run out as quickly as they can out of the building for recess time to go outside. And I, because I think they've learned like they have such a short period of time and they rush out and they get right into their game, um, you know, soccer, basketball, whatever they might be doing. Um, those, and those are very like, I can just see those examples I know there'd be other ones too but it's so easy when you see them just rush out and then they go start a game of soccer and they play hard they play soccer that whole 20 minutes that they're and that they're out there and then that bell rings and I definitely can think of many different kids faces I've seen of just almost anger and annoyance and frustration at that bell ringing knowing that they have to go back and like really focus on you know whatever work they're going to do when they get inside that their game has to end because they were only out there I mean really not even the not even 20 minutes um once they got their shoes on and stuff um and then they're going to have to wait another oh I don't know what it was at least a couple hours or so before they get to go out for that one last 20 minutes if they can go outside depending on the weather and I I really just am remembering that emotion that I would see with them. And I remember, and I won't know, be able to recall the details, but I remember going in as a teacher, especially with the younger ones that had like a lot of energy. And I was always very concerned about how are they going to sit still and focus for so long when they're bouncing in their seats and they have so much energy and the expectation is that they're sitting and they're focused and they're quiet and they're learning. And I remember looking into kind of like the length of time a child needs to be up and moving, whatever that might look like, whether it's running around at recess, or we have like these um, videos, like these movement videos we can put on in the schools um, to get them out of their seat. And um, I think like some of the, you know, there'd be like little um, suggestions, like, well, if they're really wiggling around, and they can't focus, put on one of these, like, I don't know, four minute exercise or like fun kid movement. There's like go noodle and stuff. Some people would know of Um, my kids love them. Um, And the idea is that it would get their energy out and then they could sit down and focus. I remember looking into this and reading about it. And it was like, it was, that's like enough time for them to just like amp up (laughs) and, and get their heart rates going. And now we're asking them to sit down and focus. It's not actually, um, accomplishing what we're wanting to accomplish but um yeah it's just and you can say the same thing when they go you know they have like art class say and they're in the flow of doing their art but then that bell rings and you can just see it on some of their faces where they're like "Mm, you know I was really into this and now I have to put it away and for art for example that won't come out the next day that'll come out seven days from now you know seven days later it can come back out 
um, unless they want to give up some of their free time, maybe to go back to that art project early, but you could just see these kids were in some state of flow, you know, it's like they could tell they were having their needs met. And this is like what felt good and right to them, you know, whether it's outside playing with their friends or just any like kind of unstructured time or something they were really enjoying. And it just the time was always, you know, that bell would go. Um, and it's not, I mean, yeah, that happens to my guys sometimes too, although really at this point, not that much. Um, so it's not to say that, you know, um, there's ways to avoid that necessarily completely or that we need to, but I do feel for the kids that I would see in school where it was, that's every day, every day that they're at school, they're constantly being um, stopped and then told what to do next. So, yeah. Now you're making me think, Ashley, about some of the common um, songs I've never thought about. Like, I don't know if anybody knows that I'm going to shake my sillies out. I don't know if that's a UK thing, but in Canada, that's a big thing. And I'm thinking that was probably in response. It sounds like a fun song, but it's probably in response to taking a quick break so that kids can get back on task. Right. That's probably, I don't know, but that that's maybe the origin of it. it it's, you know what I'm thinking about, um, one time when we had, so we had two little boys who were friends with, they were both homeschooled um, and I was taking care of them for the afternoon and we were playing in the backyard and they would have been quite young. So the oldest was the same age as my oldest and they were probably only um, maybe six. I want to say they were five or six and maybe this family didn't have a school close by, but we have, it doesn't even feel like the school's that close, but the volume of the bell is really loud, but we're kind of used to hearing it. So my kids didn't react, but they were playing outside and this, this bell goes off and it's kind of vibrating and, and it's, it was loud. And this little friend, he, he just startled. Like he, he just startled and he froze. And, What's going on? What is that? <laughs> and I said, Oh, that's the school, you know, up the street and that's their bell. Well, what's happening? Why would, because it sounded like an emergency thing right like a fire alarm or something and he said well what's happening and I said it's it's the bell to tell them to come in from recess well he knew what recess was right like it wasn't that but I think the volume of it was just really startling and he just kind of paused for a moment and he said well couldn't they just go and let them know (laughs) I thought that is actually so brilliant like yes if if we were operating just with really reasonable socialization that actually is the social, that's kind of the socialized answer, isn't it? To go and, and explain that, you know, it's time to go in or whatever. But, and I was at a loss. I can't remember what I, what I said, but it's always kind of stuck with me how things seem when you're not used to that norm. And so to me, his response as a six-year-old homeschooled boy was actually more socialized than I mean, it was more civil, really, <laughs> than what was going on up the street. And he was, like, noticing that. So it, it's funny how those norms just, things become so used to, we don't even think about. But you bring somebody in from outside of that environment, and they can be quite objective about it. Um, I just had another thought. I know we had kind of talked a little bit just about tweens and teens and whether, um there's anything different to think about as we get into those spaces because those ages, because I know often, you know, we, we hear that there is, and I, I think lots of times, um, lots of times, uh, they're 
there are different things to think about. But I think maybe they're not the things that people think about all the time. Um, and one thing that I've always been interested in is this idea, I remember uh, reading this idea that the concept of the teen years is really, um, it's a construct, really. And so not even that long ago, like, I, and I'm not going to get dates right, but I'm going to say maybe pre-World War II. <laughs> I'm going to go with that. Um, people, people listen to the same music. So the music that you would be listening to at 14 or 15 was probably the same music your grandparents were listening to. So I guess if you think about it pre-radio, maybe that might be a way to think about it. Um, but this idea of teenagers as a whole separate section of the population, I think really didn't come into being until like the 1950s or so. So, you know, I think, Kiki was talking about that intergenerational piece. And I just think that that was very normal, probably prior to that, that you would be working alongside people that were older and you would probably be apprenticing and, you know, helping your parents with various work or grandparents or other elders in the community and looking after young children. So this idea of everybody being in these separate groups and having this almost separate um, identity was not really a thing um which makes so much sense to me because i think sometimes we we construct this we put these expectations on kids and then we're annoyed with the way they behave i'm just thinking like societally right not necessarily homeschool people um but just societally we kind of we tell them they're too old to do certain things but they're too young to do others and then we get annoyed when they're confused <laughs> and kind of unanchored and, and don't really know how to be. Um, one of the things I would say was really helpful for us during those teen years was also having kind of a like mentorships or mentorship type connections. So, you know, for one of my sons that was um, like woodworking and carpentry, but I can think of it in less like that was some sort of a formal mentorship, but I can think about it in other ways too, whether that was, um, just groups we were part of, or um, even in my daughter's choir, even though it was kind of age specific, there were mentorship opportunities with the leaders. It just felt like a, a really different environment. And I can remember some of the moms at the choir talking about how much they valued the choir. And what I kept hearing them say is, I just can't believe how wonderful this is. I just, you know, and I was like, it was, you know, my daughter enjoyed it, but I started to realize that it was really different from anything else that their kids were doing because there were some multi-age because the leaders really integrated into the group. It wasn't the same as a lot of the age specific activities or kind of like the teen dances or high school where they were very much like put with people of their own age. And there was sort of all this um, often quite a lot of adversity because I heard it over and over again of these parents just so excited about the choir. And as I said, I mean, my daughter enjoyed it, but it didn't feel as different from the rest of her life as it did um, from theirs. I, I do want to just quickly, I don't have a lot to add to that. My guys are so little, but it was, as you were sharing, Erin, it was just making me think about a comment Haley said earlier about 
how, and I forget how you put it, Haley, you would have said it so much better than I'm about to. <laughs> um, but this idea, like the value of being needed. And I think about that a lot um, with teenagers, because I see it even with my nine-year-old, he really feels the restrictions placed on him just because of his age. And then, so I see like these teenagers who are, you know, so transitioning um, into adulthood, but they're so segregated and, you know, their job right now is their education and their schooling and they are to prioritize that. And I mean, some of them, like where we live, it's not uncommon. I don't know how common it is right now, but I, I know of some anyway that have part-time jobs. So I think that would help in this way a lot. But I just see this group of teenagers who through a part-time job or just some type of involvement or opportunity like outside of school, outside of their family, like in the community, whether it's yeah a job or volunteering where they feel like they have a, a purpose um, and they um, they can contribute um, to, yeah, outside of their family, I guess, and outside of their school, because that's, that's kind of, that's the direction they're going, right? Like they're, they, so I just think that could ease that transition, I guess, um, and just make them feel more empowered and like valued and useful and like, yeah. And I don't think it has to be something huge that takes up all their time. I don't think that would necessarily be good either. Cause we we're just talking about all the, the good stuff with unstructured time. I think that would still be really important, but yeah, it just kind of made me think about how I think there's, that's probably less common now. Anyway, again, I'm not in that my guys aren't there yet, so I don't want to say too much, but I can see that. Yeah. Just as you're getting older and it's probably a very unique thing too, depending on, um, the I don't want to say the child depending on the teen depending on the teenager some of them could like my eldest I could see that being very important when he gets I don't know 14 but he already wants a job he already feels like he should be able to go out and do more um so I could see whereas some might I don't I don't know if I would have wanted too much of that um as a teenager especially like early like before 16 but more so as I got older so I just wanted to to add that in I like the way you said, um, Ashley, about contributing. And I think, yeah, being able to make a contribution and for that contribution to be a voluntary contribution, something that they've, I think you mentioned really early on, Kiki, about consent. Yeah, if, if um, yeah, if we're able to be in a position where we can can give our contribution because we've decided to give that rather than because it's something that we have to do, then that makes all the difference. And that definitely can feel like, yeah, like you have a valid purpose and that you are worthy and it contributes to all kinds of feelings of self, um, self-worth self and, and um, helping you to feel value and things that, you know, we worry that sometimes our teenagers in society don't have and that, you know, there are so, you know, the levels of kind of teenage um mental health issues and stuff is is something that's you know very often in the in the news and I think there is something about how I think definitely here in the UK there are less jobs for teenagers now than there used to be everything has become because everything's become so much more bureaucratic and um, I don't know there's so much more legislation about things that kind of informal being able to help other people is I don't know, it feels like sometimes it's it's harder because of the way our society is set up and there's a lot of fear about um, 
I don't know, people suing each other and those kinds of things. It just feels like it, it, there are barriers, I guess, to teenagers being able to do so many things that maybe they might have been able to do more naturally in, in the past. I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's the thing. Yeah, I think, I think we talked about this on back in an episode. So at the risk of being repetitive, I just think it's relevant to what you just said, Haley. So yeah, I can remember for my, um, for my one son working toward uh, like a mentorship at a conservation um, authority or conservation association. They're sort of responsible for the different conservation areas. And we were on such a good track, you know, with, with the, uh, I think he was like the head of um, the, the people we were speaking to. It was like, it would have been a fish and wildlife program. Um, and it was so good. We were on such a good, track with it and they ended up flipping it and they thought it was actually such a good idea they flipped it and offered it started offering it as a school credit or a kind of like a co-op um credit and then we didn't end up even being able to qualify for it (laughs) because we were homeschooling and that was just such an example to me of like oh my gosh like they could have had it would have been so good because they would have had help for free if they needed to put it in a category somewhere, I'm sure they could have put it under volunteering or something like that um, would have been such a good learning opportunity, you know, for a young person, not just the subject matter, like not just the, what they were working with, but that relationship of kind of being mentored with, with people on the job. And it got flipped into like a school program that they needed all that this different paperwork for. And I was like, wow, that's so disappointing. Um, so I, I do, I think I see some of that too, Haley, just um, where, where kids would just normally have been part of things. You seem to have to kind of jump through all these hoops to get there. Well, actually my daughter just um, joined, uh, it's like a, a wildlife organization to do some some work and it was a lot of paperwork a lot of paperwork and I just thought even she was like oh my goodness like you almost at the end you're like should we really this?" because there was so much paperwork involved and it's really not such a big to me it's not such a big deal but yeah things have really shifted in that direction here as well um but I, I also think it's important, though, as well, isn't it? And what is the nice thing about home education as well is that that for some people, they don't want to do those things earlier. Like I think you said, Ashley, the fact that there is that capacity to take a little bit more time if you need to and to, to just, you know, for us to meet our kids where they are rather than where society expects them to be. So if they're not ready to go out and do those things, then they get to have that extra time and they get to have that extra support and I think you know that is one of the uh, definite advantages isn't it mm-hmm. and, and it made me think actually when you were talking earlier about um, I can't remember exactly what it was to do with but it, what came into my mind was even when my daughters were at school I remember uh, one, school friends coming round, and um, the fact that that my daughters had younger siblings and maybe they were watching Bob the Builder or, or some little kids show. And often these older children would gravitate towards what my little people were doing, because especially if they were, say, the youngest in their family or they didn't have any siblings, the, the ability to be able to be littler 
for a little bit of time and to, to play um, at things that other people might not think were age appropriate for them was just such, <laughs> such, you know, they couldn't resist it. It was kind of a lovely thing for them to be able to do. And I think that's so nice, isn't it, for kids to be able to, like my, you know, my adult children playing in the park, you know, they're kind of more than happy to do that you know, because that, I don't know, they, they have a sense of feeling, um, I guess, um, feeling confident enough in themselves that they don't have to be, um, act in a mature way, you know, they don't have to be doing the things that the weird, because there are some weird ideas in society about what makes, you know, what, what, oh, oh, they're so grown up because they're wearing lots of makeup or because they're going out drinking or things like that. And, you, you, you know, that's kind of an, an interesting whole other subject about what maturity is I guess. Hayley I think we talked about that you and I in another conversation I think somebody was asking about one of my kids and they said is he something like is he an old is he an old 15 or a young 15 or something like that or maybe it was 16 and I was kind of like well it depends on how you (laughs) define that right so I feel like if you define it as itching to grow up and kind of do all the things probably not but if you define it as being quite reliable and responsible and developing a sense of what he'd like to do then probably um so there is that strange sort of idea of what you know I, i've heard i've heard people say that a future well so, someone says a young 14 or they're a but i often think it depends what lens you're using to to look at that through and just on a practical level like I found that a lot of times the um the desire to continue to socialize within a homeschool group was there through high school but people's schedules get really pulled right so some kids do choose to go to school some kids don't but they might be doing online courses some kids work a lot of hours some kids are you know, when you're into sports or dramatic arts at that age, sometimes those things can be, they can take a lot of kids time, right? When they really dive into a passion. So I feel like for all of those reasons, we would often have times where we would want to be still connecting as families, but people were pulled in a lot of different directions. And I'm just curious in the UK, well, I know that's a broad thing, but you know, Kiki and Haley, like for your experience right now with your kids in any sort of social interactions or groups, do you see a lot of high school um, age either beginning, like maybe new groups or continuing? Like, do you, when you look around, do you see a lot of opportunity in, um, I want to say maybe like organized ways? I think there are definitely more opportunities than there were for my elder children now um and I think in in all kinds of ways more in terms of there being more home ed families around that's definitely the case than there were you know a few years ago um and also in terms of the um I guess the way different learning has opened up and different I don't know all kinds of different um social groups that that are available I don't know there seems to be or perhaps I just didn't know about them at the time maybe that's the thing there's there's more people in our home ed community now so therefore there's more people that I speak to so there's more things that I hear about so I don't know things like choirs and that that I wouldn't have you know I didn't 
you know, maybe they did exist and I didn't know about them. Who knows? But it de definitely feels like my younger daughter is having quite a different experience in some ways to her older siblings because there is such a larger community. Um, but she, I, I know for, I mean, my younger daughter, my youngest daughter is a year younger than my eldest was when we started home editing. So obviously, you know, it may, we may come to a point like we did with the older ones where there were a lot of teenagers who went back to school. There were a lot of people that moved away. Um, there were a lot of people who did things like went traveling. Um, so, you know, over the years, there have been, you know, really good friendships that then have ended or or changed because of, um, you know, what's happened. Uh, so, you know, we'll just have to see. But it feels to me like there is more, there are more opportunities and more people around than there were. Yeah, I think um, I, I think I said earlier before when we were chatting before, before we started um, recording, but um, I think quite a few kind of people I've sort of met with kids approaching secondary age, they are starting to panic a bit and they are starting to kind of look around. And I feel like where we are in Warwickshire, there's not a huge amount yet for teens. I think on like the Facebook home ed groups, this, you know, I think mums are trying to kind of create kind of teen meetups and that kind of thing. Um, so I think there is definitely that panic, which makes me really sad because I guess for me, and I've recently been having these conversations, I think, to me, I kind of just assumed we'd just carry on as it is, um, because why change it if it's working? And like I, I think I said, you know, just because a child turns four, suddenly they get that letter in the post to say they're ready to start school in September. And it's similar for secondary school. It's like, what is it about just suddenly being 11, going on 12? They have to make this ginormous transition, like crazy, scary transition for how I see it. And so why why is it that a it just doesn't make sense to me because i mean i get that obviously that's how the school system works and i get that you know the argument is it makes it easier if you put a child in at year seven because then they're going in new with everyone else but it also just makes me really sad how that people feel that that is i don't know that, and, and i guess there aren't that many um i haven't looked enough but obviously hayley is your did you say yours is 10 we were only yeah. eight, so we're kind of, as of September, three years away from it. So it's still for us very much, you know, very much just we carry on as we are. Um, I'm guessing I'll get more. I mean, I've been surprised, like I say, just a few months recently, really talking about it. And I guess because it's open days are happening at some of the private schools and things. So kids, you know, mums with older kids, are to, you know, and starting to look around or talk about options. So it's made me be like, oh, right, OK, this is. I'm just surprised at some of the people who were saying that because I just assumed that that wasn't part of the picture for them. But um, yes, yeah, so I kind of hope there's so much for younger kids. I kind of am assuming that it will just keep carrying on that way. You know, with mine being eight and five, it will just, but I don't know. Yeah, well, well, time will tell, I guess, won't it? We'll have to see. But I know in terms of things like, um, people wondering about say exam opportunities for their children I feel like there are so many more online ways that people can access kind of tutorials and um, classes and 
there's around here definitely there are things like part-time college opportunities for kind of 14 years up and so there and and people do evening classes to do GCSEs there are because there are I feel like after the pandemic and stuff because of the whole surge in in online stuff I think there are more um, opportunities for you to do that in a way that doesn't involve putting your children back in school at 11 or at 14 which is what you know was our our experience. Now, I also wonder if it's partly nostalgia from the parents I think it's similar with people not sure about you know whether they can not do school and it's you know people are so focused on their experience aren't they and I think I don't think exams necessarily is too much of a concern with some of the mums I've talked, spoken to. I think it's more that, um, you know, they've said about, like you said earlier, the proms and those wider kind of like peer, like that experience. I mean, my husband and I, for example, we met at school in maths and history class, so we wouldn't even be together if we hadn't gone to school. Or maybe we would. <laughs> I don't know. We'd have found each other somewhere else. Um, but I think it's more that side of it. It's that... Um, yeah, I think it is more those things that we kind of romanticise a bit in society, perhaps, um, which is sad because, let's face it, that isn't the case for a lot of kids at school. Um, the teen years is, yeah, I don't know. So it's, um, it just makes me sad, I guess, that we can uh, feel like a lot of people can de-school enough to do the prime years and then suddenly, and also there's such, like my husband and I, when we, when we were talking about it, because we always want to give our children the uh, what you know if they were if one of them was set really dead set on going to school we would you know go and take them around and look around and things like that but also there'd be a lot of catching up to do in the sense of so then that makes you I don't know I feel like then you're having to constantly have it at the back of your mind and I think that's not how I don't know I'm not sure I'm making it's just yeah it makes I don't know how you can fully I actually had a bit of um a, dis a disagreement with somebody yesterday who had um somebody I met up with in person apparently I'd put in one of my Instagram posts about I'd made a comment that how can you fully embrace this kind of unschooled life if you're then going to kind of if you're then sort of considering secondary school or something I don't know I don't know um, but I, was, I sort of said to her, but isn't that it? Like, we're trying to de-school. Like, it shouldn't be about this in school. Like, it's kind of set. It, this is just our life. So to then, I don't know, I just don't see how you can fully embrace the whole unschooling concept, knowing all along that the back of your mind, you're definitely going to send them to secondary school, which is what she was sort of saying. I don't know. I, I wasn't... She was like, well, you can. I was like, but it's, they're not, I don't know. I'm not really making much sense anymore, but it was just quite an interesting conversation, I suppose. But Well, I have known teenagers who've gone into school in their teenage years. And pre prior to that, they have lived a very unschooling life. And they have managed to slot in quite well. I mean, that's not always the case, but I definitely know of some examples of of that where it's it's worked yeah um, and then I also know some people who were kind of looking at alternative schools and potentially relocating um but then I was sort of saying you could relocate that's a big thing and then I know like with my eldest we could do that we could move four hours and sell up and everything and after like a week you'd be like yeah I'm not doing this 
and he'd be set on that bit and he's, he's like so it's hard isn't it to know you want to give your children opportunities but also how far do you go with that and it's difficult <laughs> yeah I was having a conversation just yesterday with a little unschool group of moms and um one shared and I don't I don't know her son's exact age so I'm not sure if he's secondary yet or almost secondary, but has gone to made the choice to go back to school recently. And I was celebrating so much because it was completely his choice. Um, and I've been hearing that, you know, uh, once in a while I've been hearing about um, usually, usually older kids make the choice. They're just, you know, whatever reason they're interested or they want to be around, it's easier for them to be around kids or their best friend goes or something, but that they make, it's their choice to make. And then they go into school and um, he's gone into school with less than two months left until summer break. And then he'll get to decide if he wants to go back in the fall. And I just get so excited about young people having that as an option, as a choice. Cause my hope is that there's just more options. And I do think since COVID, we're starting to see that, but it really goes back to that consent piece. Like I want my kids, when I think of unschooling, I think about it being about consent rather than us telling them what to do or forcing them to do this so that, you know, they just feel empowered by that. And that's what I was thinking when the mom was sharing about her son making the choice to go try school or go, go back to school because he had been in school years ago. And I just thought, wow, like that, you know, that there's just that consent element and that piece to it is, is so rare, I guess, really for young people, for that to be the way, uh, especially like, especially where we live. And I think in the UK too, like most of the time, if you're a kid, you go to school and it's, it's not optional. Um, even if you're, I mean, we hear all these awful stories of kids really struggling. We hear about, um, yeah, the mental health with teen, uh, with teens, um, in particular, and then, the parents feeling like we well, have to go to school, you have to go to school, right? So it's so exciting to hear about a young person who just it's their choice. And I think it's very different, probably as a teenager, or maybe any age when you're at school, knowing you don't have to be knowing that you can call home and say, I'm done for the day, or I'm done, I'm not going back this year. And I think to some parents hearing that they'd be like, that's insanity. That's crazy. <laughs> um, that's, you know, that's not the way it works. Um, but I wanted to go back just briefly to um, not go not go back too far, but just this idea of like our kids getting older, like Kiki, what you were talking about with them, you know, kind of like, will we be enough as they get older or will they feel this pull to go to school um, or will we feel like they need to go to school for kind of more like what you were saying, like prom and more of like the social reasons, I guess. And I don't know, and I'm not there yet, but it made me think about how I asked my nine-year-old before, like earlier today, um, and we had to have a a little conversation about what isn't, like, what is socializing, what is socialized when I say that. Um, But I I, kind of, we talked about what that means. And I said, so how do you guys socialize? Because there'd be some people who would ask you, like, well, you don't go to school. How do you socialize? And he very quickly um, mentioned online gaming. Um, That's a big um, social connection for him or whatever you want to uh, call it. He's developed these really fun, fulfilling relationships with a a few good kids from different parts of the world. 
Um, and I think him even just knowing at a young age that he's been able to connect with other people in that way, like he's not going to forget that. Right. Um, and then, um, he said how he goes over, we live across the street from kind of like our neighborhood park and it's a really nice park. And now that the weather's warmed up, he's like, we go over there every day after school. And there's always at least a couple other kids to play with. Um, his best friend who he met when he was in school, who still goes to school, he sees him um, pretty much every weekend. Um, so he mentioned that. And then he just said, and we just go where people are. We just go where other kids are. Um, so it just, it was nice for me to hear that he didn't have to think about it much. He was just like, let me tell you how I connect with other people. And he had more, um, more examples as well. But Kiki, as you were talking, it just made me think, Carol, like, I hope that them learning through these life experiences that they that they don't need to go to school or 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 maybe have a certain career to um socialize I mean it sounds funny even saying the word now in that way because um really it's about belonging and um just being with other people um I hope that I mean who knows my guys are young so and they and they might at some point think it's just maybe even easier and more convenient to go to school for a year or two as they're older um, to connect with other people. And that's fine. But my hope is that they're learning through their life experiences now that, that that's just one option and that there's other um, ways or means that they can have those needs met as well. I think it's definitely the case, Ashley, like you were saying of it being a very different experience when you go back because you've chosen to go back to school. And um, and that the the and the examples that I can think of of um, young people that I've known who have gone back to who've made made that choice to go back to school they have a very different motivation I guess to I guess that that you know to some of the kids definitely that are that are that have always been at school who've never had a choice about it um, and so that's what I, and, and I guess that motivation is what fuels them to to be successful, if you like, in inverted commas, for it to go well is because they're, you know, they've got a, a desire and a, and they're putting in the effort and, and, um, and yeah, and when you talk about online gaming and online friends, um, I was definitely thinking about that when I thought about, about my children, because online gaming's definitely been something in this house where people have met people from all over the world with different experiences. And that's been really interesting. But even before online gaming became a thing, uh, when my girls were teenagers, they um, they loved um, Goodreads and they set up a book club on Goodreads and they met people from around the world on that platform. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely something that's also been um, a, a form of socialising. Yeah. As well as all the nat natural, you know, just because our kids are home educated doesn't mean they just do things with other home educated kids. You know, they go to brownies, they go to swimming lessons, they go to, um, I don't know, they're in football teams or they, you know, they join theatre clubs or whatever with, with other kids that are at school and other kids that are home educated. So it's not as if they don't get those opportunities as well, um, you know, which is important to remember. I'm, I'm aware of the time, but I just am so glad that a couple of things came up. And one thank you, like Haley and Ashley, for talking about gaming and online connections, because I think that that is 
um, a really big thing for a lot of kids. I think it's a really positive thing and I think it's really misunderstood. Um, I think we might be talking about that coming up on another episode. So that's kind of a good, um, it's, it's, it's a good way to kind of tie it into socialization as well. And then and Kiki, what you said <clears throat> on back just a tiny bit made so much sense to me about, oh, I don't know how to word it, but yeah, if you're looking ahead, I guess the way I would, <clears throat> excuse me, kind of describe it is kind of, always looking at what you might need to do to prepare for the future I mean we're always thinking a little bit about that but I think it's it's hard to de-school and really embrace learning and embrace life but then also think oh but I better keep this little piece here because we're going to need to be working toward this and the thing that popped into my mind around that was um how many unresolved things I think a lot of adults have from the teen years and so what I've noticed is like one of my kids does not at this right now I would say they did in their early teen years but right at this time right now um, does not have the need for the teenage milestones and the big groups of friends and the prom and all that sorts all those sorts of things and it's that has been quite um, almost like confronting or triggering for a few people the assumption is well they're missing out why aren't you creating this or there's something wrong that they don't want to be doing this or they don't want to have this milestone and it's often not said quite that directly but the implication is definitely there that to be a certain age you know to kind of be in those high school years means that you want to have a whole bunch of friends and you want to have these milestone experiences and um I just don't think that's always the case. I think we're making big assumptions and I think that we um, shouldn't suggest that there's anything wrong with kids who don't have those higher social needs. But I do think it's a lot of people's own um, insecurities being either their own experience or their own insecurities kind of being projected forward. And I'm so aware of the time. I'll just say this last, this one last thing. Um, There was a really good article posted. um, It was linked in, in a story on um, Instagram. It's not probably there anymore, but I snagged it Um, and I will link it, but it was so fascinating to me. It's on like the teenage brain and, how our brains as adults are so connected to those four or five years. And it talks, I think, about the science behind that. Um, But it also talks about some of the social norms. And it was kind of like when you read one of those books or articles, and it's, it's like everything you've been feeling, but nobody ever puts it to words. (laughs) Yes. And there were all kinds of pieces I hadn't thought about, but I just thought it was such a great article. So I will link that in here as well but um no Kiki I just wanted to thank you for saying that because that's really been on my mind a lot lately is how many comments and assumptions that I get about all of my kids that are so much more related to people's own experience than what is actually necessary or you know quote normal so I think it's I think it's a hard time for a parent as well because you're trying to navigate all the opinions and you know sometimes there are lots <laughs> so, yeah okay 
Thank you so much, everybody. This was really, this was good. I enjoyed just thinking about this from different angles. So I hope you guys all have a good rest of your evening. Thank you. Thank you. It was good to see you, Kiki. Yeah, thank you. It's been lovely joining you again. Yeah, thank you, Kiki, very much for coming. All right, bye-bye. And this ends our conversation today. We hope you found it interesting and helpful. If you'd like to connect further or see additional content, Erin can be found on the web and on Instagram at everlearning. Ashley can be found on Instagram at Ashley as Mama and Storytime Shells. And I, Hayley, can be found on the web and on Instagram at Taking a Kinder Path. We'd love it if you'd share this conversation with anyone you think might like it. And if you've enjoyed this episode, maybe you'd consider leaving us a review. We'd love to hear your thoughts. We're so grateful you made time in your day to listen to us chat. Thanks so much for listening.